Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of the California Angels and the City of Los Angeles, on the occasion of Her Majesty's Royal Visit, please welcome internationally renowned opera star Enrico Palazzo. Hey, it's Enrico Palazzo! Hello and welcome everyone to a Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast 2Ls. Utah! Two Give me C's. two. I'm your host today, Britton Allen, with a very special guest. I'm talking about a guy who is the co-host of the world-renowned fantasy baseball podcast called The Sleeper and The Bust. Uh, this this guest also writes for Fangraphs, uh, my favorite go-to website to read all things fantasy baseball, and a content provider for out-of-the-park baseball, also called OOTP, which I found in 2020 when I was jonesing for that, that COVID uh, shortened season. I needed it, and uh, that's where I found it, OOTP. But it is, of course, Paul Spore. Uh, please follow him on X if you're not already. Uh, it's at Spore. Uh, how's it going, Paul? It's going very well. Thank you for that kind intro. I really appreciate it. Yeah, 2020 was a big year for Out of the Park. A lot of people trying to get some baseball fix, get a little bit of normalcy in our lives. I mean, it it seems like it was so long ago now, and obviously it really wasn't. It was like three years. But yeah, a lot of people latched on to OTP at that point. I've been playing for years. This is uh, a... I almost said episode. This is version 24, and I've been playing since a single digit, I think eight or nine. So longtime fan. The fact that I'm actually able to work for them has been pretty cool. But uh, how you doing? How you doing this winter? I'm doing fantastic. I remember that I started playing OTP because I think I was following you on Twitch. And uh, in the 2020 you know, shortened season, uh, I I would follow, I would watch you on Twitch, and I would put together those perfect teams, you know. And for yes. those that don't know, OOTP is is a baseball simulator on your computer. Like I love MLB The Show; it's a mm-hmm. great game. Me too. But it's kind of arcadey, uh, which yeah. is which is cool. But yeah, uh, it scratches it, a different itch. It does. It's fun. It's it's a polished, wonderful game. And they have a, I like Diamond Dynasty on MLB The Show. Well, OOTP has that too, but they call it a perfect team. 
but unlike Diamond Dynasty, well, I, you know, OTP, like you can get Joe DiMaggio on your team if you get his card. You can you can go anywhere. And I love that, like, you know, building like the Tetris puzzle of, you know, players and all that kind of stuff. So if you're it's into, so fun, it, it's it's a blast. I love it. Um, so you can play any team. You can play KBO, any era. I it's highly recommend. It's a yeah, huge fit it. for fantasy folks, right? Like think about everything that we do and now you can span eras and build fantasy teams. You can do so much with it. So um, yeah, obviously I worked there, but even before I did, I always recommended it. I think it's a great, great game for people who love baseball, which if you're listening to this, there's a good chance you do. If you're listening to a baseball podcast in, in, this in late in December, yeah. you are a baseball fan as am I and as is Paul and like most fantasy baseball players, I would consider myself, I'm not a hardcore player, you know, I, I, I love fantasy baseball, but I'm, I'm more of a regular guy. Like I, I've never met an Excel spreadsheet that I can read and not get a headache. Like I'm just not, I'm not, you, you know, I'm just, I'm just a regular fantasy baseball nut. I love playing NFBC. Am I going to win the main event? Probably not anytime soon. I don't have uh, you, you know, like draft. You never system. know. You never I, know. I, I pulled true. one and it, it was awesome. But yeah, you know, if you're if you're if you're in the dance, you got a shot. You got a shot. A chip in a chair, right? That's so, right. That's right. Uh, but uh, of course, uh, Paul, uh, I'm a huge fan of Sleeper in the Bus. It's one of my favorite uh, podcasts to listen to. And and one of the things I don't know if you get this, but I love the intro music and the outro music too. Thank you. I get excited confession wow, that confession time when i hear that music it's like it, i get excited it's like when i would hear the intro music to the sopranos you know, oh wow okay woke, now putting it up, up on that level is oh, I, very yeah, kind now i have true. pods like that too so i really do appreciate that that is such a nice thing for you to say i found that on a copy free copyright free website years ago don't even remember what it's called um yeah i if i lost it for some reason, I don't think I could, I mean, obviously I could pull it from any episode, but like if all the episodes disappeared or something, I yep. don't think I have the computer anymore where I originally downloaded that file. I think I paid a dollar for I it. Can't, I can't imagine the, the sleeper in the bus without that intro music. It's I'll like never that scene it. and say anything with John Cusack holding <laughs> up the box. I mean, yeah, if, it's, never if that's it. not in your eyes by Peter Gabriel, I'm not watching the movie. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. No, I, I would never want to change it. I, I really do like it. I remember searching through a bunch of them. And then after a while, you start listening to a bunch of instrumental tracks, you know, like hip hop type things. They all start to blend together. And then that one stood out. And I was like, I think that's the one, you know, not some great epiphany or anything, but I'm just like, okay, I've listened to like 10 or 12 here. And uh, I went through that one went back to a couple more and then or went through another couple more and then back to it so I, I went through you know a decent number and i landed on that and you're not the first one to say positive things about it so i think i feel like i made a decent pick so i appreciate the kind words on that it is a great pick it's like that tool song you know all the pieces fit that's right and, and it's uh also your co-host on that also got to give a shout out to justin mason uh danielle too i of course Love I got both to of hang them Got to see them at uh, Arizona first pitch, and you too. Except we're we were on enemy lines. Oh, is that yes? Con we were confrontations. Yes, we were. And, and, no, no. I was going to try to. I was like, actually, it was really fun. It was a blast. <laughs> we, we, we were we just got to do the draft together. together. 
we were drafting together. And one of the reasons uh, I, I asked Paul to come on is because it's drafting season for all us degenerates, That's NFBC right. gladiators, uh, uh, you know, drafting holds. I do a lot of NFBC 50s, which is also the 50 round, but it's 12 teams instead of 15 teams. I, I love all that. And so Paul and I went to uh, first pitch Arizona. We signed up for a uh, – uh, they were providing um, the NFBC folks were providing leagues out there to play. And I, I picked the, uh, the 50, uh, 50 round draft and hold, which is like their draft champions league. And uh, Paul was in it. Justin was in it. Uh, Sarah Sanchez was in it. Let me see if I can quickly. It was an remember. esteemed group. It was, it yeah. Was I mean, these a lot are, these of are fun. Yeah, you, that's exactly right. Like a lot of a lot of great players that are uh, you know fantasy obsessed like we are. And exactly, I, Paul. I love talking about drafts. I love hearing about people talk about their drafts and their picks because I think maybe the the my favorite part of fantasy baseball is actually drafting. Like oh, I yeah. love it. Oh yeah. And so I try to draft as much as humanly possible. And then what I also do is I like to steal <laughs> other players' picks and information. I remember the, one of the first NFBC drafts I ever did. I was in a, um, I was in a draft and hold with uh, Rudy Gamble, mm -hmm. and his last pick in a fifty rounder. And this was like in 2019, 2020, something like that. His last pick was a placeholder. And I was like, well, that's interesting. And I actually, because he's at Rasball, and I texted him or email, I somehow got in touch with him. I said, hey, we're in a league together. Do you mind if I ask you who the placeholder is for? And he goes, yeah, it's for this 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 prospect known Jake Cronenworth, who I had never heard of. And, wow. then, in the, and then in the next draft, I drafted Jake Cronenworth mm -hmm. because of what Rudy did. And Jake, that year, ended up starting about the last two months of the season for the that's Padres. That's awesome. Which, if you're in a draft and hold league with one of your last picks, getting a full time player that late, oh yeah, uh, that's that's money in the bank. But uh, hey, I didn't figure it out. <laughs> well, no, but that's that's Rudy one of the did. beauties. That's one of the beauties of drafting at this time too. And you know, there are price points all over. Obviously, everyone has their own budget that they need to stick within. But you, you can find ten dollar leagues right now. I think my fantasy leagues has ten dollar drafts you can do right now, or the fifties that you mentioned, or you can go up higher if you want. But drafting with other people that you respect and feel like do a good job, you can learn about players from them, right? And I'm sure Rudy, you know, doesn't hit every time he pops a fiftieth round placeholder, but that one happened to stick. You took your shot on it with him because you're like, I, that's somebody I respect. Rasball is awesome and Rudy's incredible. So that makes sense. And you can absolutely pick up stuff. I do that too. I'm like, mm, who's he got? You know, a guy I always talk about that we see every year at the uh, the conference in Arizona is Tim McLeod. He is yeah. a Asian baseball guru. He knows all the players years before they make an impact at the major league level, uh, but always put puts me on with players of like, uh, you know, put me on. Kenta Maeda before anybody was drafting him, Masahiro Tanaka, he was on Senga. I mean, all the big ones. And he's on guys that miss too, but he's, he knows everyone. And so you can get a good idea of who a player is, um, you know, just by talking to him. And I love that, right? Because there's not a ton of Asian baseball coverage out there. You can certainly find it, but Tim's a go-to source there. And uh, yeah, you see that placeholder up there. You're like, who's that for? And I'll tell you the player from the J JPL or the uh, KBO. And then you're like, hmm, 
put a little star next to that guy. And I usually just follow that, follow the, his path on those uh, Asian-based players. This year, obviously, I'm, everyone knows Yamamoto, yeah. but I'm on Jung-Hoo Lee. Um, and I actually, to bring a full circle to OOTP, learned about him from OOTP. He came over from the KBO in one of my simulations, dominated the league, and I was like, oh, this is interesting. Oh, it's a real player. Oh, I'm gonna start following him read up on him so i'm actually really excited about him this year i took him in a gladiator with my last pick gladiator is risky right because that's there's no reserves but i took him with the gladiator last pick before he ever signed it, it was it was a month ago the draft was i just took the shot i love his landing spot i'm on the jung hoo lee train uh but yeah now i'm on a tangent here about how smart i am but tim mcleod is actually the smart guy and you should follow smart people in your drafts there's no shame in that whatsoever no, it's just acquiring information. Exactly. That's that's, that's the whole process. Exactly. You're, getting, you're going to hear about players that you, you you don't know about simply because there are thousands of players and you can't, can't know, know everything. Nope. Can't, you can't, can't do it. And, you know, just to bring it again back to OTP real quick, since we talked about it in perfect team, once you learn who the top players are and you're in these tournaments and you see the same players winning, looking at their rosters only makes sense too. Oh, he uses this card. Why does he use this card? Now mm. I'm looking into it. Oh, I see why he uses this card. Now I know that this is a good shape and a good player, you know, because um, the way the game plays, obviously the best cards are the best cards. We know that Hank Aaron card, duh, go get that one. But yeah. at the iron level, who is this 1901 dead baller that every positive, you know, every top tournament team is using. I need to learn about this guy. Oh, it's because he has huge BABIP and crazy defense. So I'm always, uh, I'm not above at all, you know, learning from people I'm playing against. Why not? I want to play, I want to swim in shark tanks. Might as well learn from them when I'm getting eaten alive. It's true. It's, I do kind of feel like I'm a, I'm a Ramora, you know, like attached to Steve Weimer's <laughs> a draft or something. I'm just waiting for his last picks because I know whoever he picks in the last, I'm going to pick in my next one too. Absolutely. <laughs> but uh, so let's talk about our draft real quick. It was in the okay, Arizona okay. Fall League for first pitch. A shout out, uh, Ray Murphy, Brent Hershey put on another great event. I had a blast. Me too. And um, we, so we did an NFBC draft. I, it's a 15-team, 50-round uh, draft and hold. So that means there's no fab, there's no pickups, there's no drop ads, there's no trading. You have 50 rounds, and that's your team. That's your dudes. You, if you want to draft 50 uh, catchers, I guess you can do that. You could. I, you it could. wouldn't go well. It'd be interesting for <laughs> sure. You'd get a lot of clicks, but I don't know how that would end up at the end of the year. But this was a fun draft because uh, – it, we, we were in a ballroom basically, and mm -hmm. uh, th they had the thing up. And um, uh, I'm, I'm so sorry. Was it Greg? Uh, Am is it Ambrosius? Yeah, I Greg Ambrosius. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Said so shout out Greg. He he was running it for us, and uh, we were all there live. And doing a live draft is always fun. So that was great. So I I picked third. I'm team three. Paul is team twelve. Justin is uh, uh, Justin Mason is team nine. So feel free to haze <laughs> any Justin's picks. Yeah. Although cook his oh, picks, uh, uh, the worst picks I've ever seen. It's amazing. I'm just kidding. I actually love his start. Um, he did a lot of great stuff. Actually, I I, totally I, I love it. I, I think from here on out, I'm going to do a lot more um, uh, pocket aces. Uh, shout out Toby uh, because but, it, yeah, it, he went it works. Strider burns and it was it works. I I like the pocket aces and yeah, shout out to Toby. Uh, 
bat flip crazy with that with that phraseology. I love it. Obviously, the poker and fantasy parallels are always fun. And running that pocket aces can be a ton of fun. Um, let's take a look at how you started your draft, though. You didn't go pocket aces, but I still actually love your top two after getting two explosive five-category guys. J-Rod with the number three pick. Ellie at the end of round two. I, I understand. That's the price, right? You got to pay it. Where's your concern level with him, right? It can't be at zero, but that doesn't mean I wouldn't. Just because it could be high doesn't mean you don't take him because the upside is insane. But are you expecting a big step forward this year from Ellie? No. This was a huge mistake. Okay, a look at big, that. Big red glaring. Uh, uh, like, <laughs> don't do that. It, okay, don't do that. Now, if this, if I paid seventeen hundred dollars and I was in Vegas at a main event, this never would have happened. Mm-hmm. But uh, so here's, uh, as we said, I'm picking third. I wanted two players in that spot. I wanted Francisco Lindor, and if he did not fall, which he didn't, I wanted Devers. And, of course, Devers got picked right ahead of me uh, to, to the Team 4, and I don't want anything to do with Manny Machado. I should have taken Luis Castillo. Uh, I wish I would taken a, another starting pitcher and gone pitcher, pitcher, but I didn't. I saw that Ellie De La Cruz. I was on tilt. I said, oh, I was mad. And I was like, oh, I, but I wanted Devers. Why, why didn't I get Devers? And, uh, so, yeah, uh, if I had to do it all over again, I would not do that. Of course, Ellie De La Cruz is exciting. Yeah. Uh, you know, he had that one, like, six stolen base game. I don't even – I think he stole, you know, second, third in home one game. It was wild. He did in Milwaukee. He, he was so unbelievably electric, right? Like, the, the excitement with him is easy to understand – but there is there is a sharp downside, and look, the Arizona draft. One of the hallmarks for me is I get eager about players, mm-hmm. and that's the kind of guy I would end up taking. Uh, I did not. Otani actually fell to me in the second round, but I did my own that you could easily end up pointing and laughing at by the end of the year or even now. I took Royce Lewis in the third, another you know high upside guy that has some concerns, particularly with his health, and then even Matt McLean in the fifth, who I love and I think he's got wonderful skills he got hurt for a chunk of last year so you know I, I took two uh on the rise type of players that i'm excited about but with ellie i just i just see a lot of javi baez potential there which does bring a strong upside with it but also of course brings a a, a massive downside so oh you're it, it, you, with ellie de la cruz it's like i'm splitting zero double zero on the roulette yes, table and, and hoping yes, it yes, gets. yes. Yep. That's that's what that is. Uh, uh, and um, in the second round, at least, wh- where where would you be more comfortable now that you've had more time to process the offseason pool and you're not on tilt? Where would you start to n- actually consider Ellie at this at this juncture? That's a great question. I don't I don't think I would. I, I honestly don't. Not not. Yeah, I don't think he should be drafted in the first five rounds. And there's no way he's lasting or lasting around six. Exactly. And I think that's a fair answer because. Um, yeah, the and lowest sounds, you're getting. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh no, it's, it's and it sounds crazy talking to the guy that drafted him. In this yeah, no, but like, <laughs> there's like no, if Doctor, like a Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. But don't be afraid here. to pivot on a stance from a draft you've already done, right? Like I think it'd be way worse and more disingenuous to your audience to just ride it out and be like, I took him in the second, so I got a cape for this pick. No, you don't. I made a mistake pick. I wouldn't do it again. That's information for folks that, and then they can at least believe you when you have 
stances and everything too, right? Because you're you're open to changing your stance. Just because you're changing it doesn't mean that you know, like oh, you, like you have to stay committed to a stance no matter what. No, I looked at it deeper, and I would not take Ellie at the second round, let the, alone the, the fifth door, round. And the door is open for a, a, another change of stance when he goes forty thirty or something exactly. like that. Exactly. I'll, I'll, hopefully, I'll I'll have you back on sometime next year and be like. I told you. <laughs> <laughs> remember when you remember when you were on you last time and I told I, you how well I did? <laughs> no, like because he's somebody I am really excited about. I love Ellie De La Cruz. The excitement he brings to the stadium is incredible. But with that swing and miss, it's just time and time again we see it hurt guys, and I just can't get behind taking him that early. And I'm with nope. you on the five-round thing, which means neither of us are getting him. And I agree. I don't think there's a spot where I take him because even fifth round would be way past ADP and both you and I would still go, yeah, I'm still going to pass because the downside is rich, particularly next year. If he does go out and put up a full year, like you said, goes 40-30 or even 40-20, even 30-20, let's be honest, 30-20, 2-60, something like that. Yeah. Okay, I'll tip my hat to those who drafted him. You got the dub. But if it doesn't come with an improvement in the plate skills, I probably still wouldn't draft him the following year because his price would go up. Yeah, you're 100% right. He's Ellie De La Cruz is the player that, like, if I don't know if, if you ever played Mario Kart at all. I on did. The N64. Yes. He's, he's a, a, like, a, he's the banana that gets dropped and like half a lap later, you hear somebody do that spin out and you're like, <laughs> <laughs> like he's like, I'm, yep. Ellie De La Cruz is the banana on the ramp, you know, really like, is. I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to avoid him, but I, I wanted to ask you about Shohei Otani in the second mm -hmm. round. So that's pick number 16, 17, 18, pick number 19 overall for a guy who, may be ready opening day uh you know they're varying reports and no one knows until it actually happens but if he's Certainly. an opening day hitter dh and you must have been tickled pink when you saw he he went to the dodgers he's going to bat second for the dodgers yep oh man we're I talking 30 30 well maybe not still in base but maybe like 40 20 Exactly. 110 and 110 like just crazy good number the upside is absolutely electric with with otani even as a dh i don't get too worried about having to block off my utility spot when it's with shohei otani right and for me you know even with the toronto stuff when it was heating up there uh justin and i had done a pod and i was like I'm still not buying that it's not la until i see him not in la and yep. so, and, and that's where most people were too, right? So I, I don't backpat myself when I say that. It's just, that, that made just too much sense for the Dodgers to get him. And they did. And I agree with you. Like he went 44-20 last year. He could do that again. But like you said, with the better counting numbers, the runs and, and ribbies. And I couldn't believe he was there in the second round. If he's there in the second round consistently, I'm going to have Shohei on a million teams. Uh, it's looking like not so much anymore. He's at his ADP is 15, although that's right on the elbow, which means you could feasibly get like an ace and him at the uh, at the 15, 16 turn, which I'll gladly do. I went ace and him with Cole in my first pick and yeah. then Otani in the second round there with the 12th pick. And I'll gladly do that anytime I can. I think he should be a single digit pick. Like he is. I would fourth. take him over Bryce Harper. Um, yes, I would too. It's Acuna. Betts, Carroll, Otani for me, I think. J-Rod. 
is when in I, there too. When I picked Julio Rodriguez three, it, it's kind of one of those deals. I just love him as a player. Yeah, he's right uh, there he, too. He's yeah, in that group. Kyle Tucker. Uh, I'm a big yeah. Kyle Tucker fan. I'm not a big wit guy at at his two three ADP compared to the others. Right? He's just more of a six seven for me. Like I get yeah. it. He's so electric, but he's also got some sketchy play skills. Not he's not on Ellie's level with like the swing and miss and the lack of walks because he has a good swing and miss. Like he he only has a seventy percent K rate, but it comes with a six percent walk rate for Bobby Witt Jr. Yep. Uh, Thirty forty nine is disgusting though. So I understand the excitement with him, but I'm going to take J Rod Tucker Carroll. I want an outfielder in a five outfield league like this. I feel uh, that, yeah. And and then try to get Lindor later. Uh, but you know, but Bobby, for all we know, Bobby Witt's just going to, you know, super. He could up. get better. Like I would not be even the least bit surprised if he started to add like a nine ten percent walk rate with that seventeen percent K rate as he develops. Like he seems like somebody who wants to continue to get better. I mean, every player does, but like who's going to do it? So I get it. People can be, might be betting on the come with Bobby Wood Jr. Um, so yeah, like he's in that group, but for me, he's more like five, six, seven with the more established, better plate skill guys like Betts, Carroll, Tucker, J Rod ahead of him. And then Otani's in there as well ahead of him. But it, but you can get Otani 10 picks later. Your your second pitcher taken in the fourth round, Johan Duran from Minnesota. I looked him up in the uh and the baseball forecaster uh, shout out again, uh, baseball HQ. And it, 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 it talks about him. And then the, the last line is a two word sentence. And I believe it, it goes, uh, uh, certified filth. <laughs> it like, is. That sums it up, man. He's yep. the filthiest reliever in baseball. Uh, and I thought the getting, getting a, a stud like that, in the fourth round was, was solid. I'm always going to try to establish my saves in, in a league like this. And really any league. I, I'm all about paying for saves. I don't want to be in the rat race of the season chasing saves. It takes too many resources. A, to follow, right? I, I mean, I, I'm on the Reliever Recon Patreon, which is an excellent source. They put out so much wonderful info. But I know I can read it more leisurely than aggressively because I'm not usually having to chase saves. Um, and I think people underrate the savings in fab capital of not having to chase saves versus expending the draft capital to buy a legit closer. Of course they can blow up in your face like any pick can, but in recent years, the data is there that the top closers, and you can figure out where the cutoff is on top, seven, eight, nine, ten, wherever it is, but they pay, they pay out. Unless they have a freak accident like Edwin Diaz or something, they are getting the saves. And with fewer and fewer A-plus guys that are the ninth inning guy every time they're available except for like four or five times because they threw on back-to-back -back days, there's just not many of those anymore. So Yohan Duran in the fourth round for me was a snap pick. I had to get a closer there, and I was glad that uh, only Williams, Diaz, and Hayter were gone. Oh, and Classe, excuse me. In, in my opinion, in a, in a DC, no matter what, um, and a lot of things can happen. Every league is different. Every uh, the people you draft, different parties, all the, all that. I personally think you have to have a top closer within the first five rounds. Now, absolutely. Some some I, people. I don't, I don't go yeah. five rounds without it. Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I think you have to because obviously you're not pick. It's a draft and hold. You're not. There's no fab. There, there's no tomorrow. <laughs> it's exactly. Today. You have to have a front line closer today. And I want. 
my reserve picks, you know, I'm going to have a speck or two in there. Don't get me wrong. I have to. Like, right. you know, somebody I really like this year is Jeff Hoffman as a speck in, in Philly. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, I just think his stuff is so nasty. It's less about Alvarado. I don't think he's necessarily going to fail, but I think Hoffman can usurp him and kind of take that job. But I don't want to have to get four or five of those guys. And you think, oh, I got 50 picks. I can put five relievers there. But when you're needing starters in June, you're going to be wishing that you don't have to put relievers in there. So, again, I think securing saves makes a ton of sense. Um, and in, in a DC, you're just not going to find me getting out of the f top five rounds without somebody. I liked your Camille Duvall after you, like, you went J-Rod De La Cruz, uh, and then you went Gosman Gilbert as your as your two studs at the top of the rotation, very strong pair. And then Camilo Duvall in the fifth. Advert Alsley immediately backs him up there in the eighth. Oh, and I just saw that you're the one with Pepio in the twelfth. That's looking even better now. I think he's I think he's a better fit in Tampa Bay to get the innings. Um, I liked him with LA. I don't really think it's a huge pivot in price or in uh, uh, outlook for Pepio, but I do think it's a slight improvement to go to Tampa Bay there. So nice pick. I love him quite a bit. Um, but I love that you went. Duvall Alzalay. That's solid closers on competent teams. Neither is like coming in as a playoff front runner, but they're both probably gonna be projected around low, you know, like 500 or just over, right? 80 something wins for both. I'll take two guys on an 80 something win club. Yeah, I'm, I was looking at the Giants lineup and I'm a little worried. Sure. <laughs> but, little worried. but you know, maybe it'll be. And listen, we, we know the data says that the best teams are are the are the, going to get the most save opportunities regardless of how often they blow guys out but something with the giants is they do seem to play a lot of close games and it will maybe create some more opportunities there because their offense is rarely going to run away and hide from anybody one of the pitchers that you got that i was targeting was bobby miller um so ryan pepio and bobby miller just these young studs that yep. the dodgers were rolling out there and um, so tell me, what, what was your thought process about Bobby Miller? I see a complete future ace coming in. It might not be this year, and that's okay. I got him in the sixth round, which is a legit price. I need him to be good, but I don't necessarily need him to be an ace yet. I just think he has all the makings. Um, like I said, I, do, I am a Pepio fan. I like the, the young Dodgers pitchers, but I think Miller's on another level and like going to be their next Walker Bueller. And I know that, you know, Bueller is uh, – uh, you know, coming back from injury and guys get hurt. And I think he, I think he will get hurt uh, probably at some point, just because that's the safe bet. I don't want Bobby Miller to get hurt, but like, if you're trying to bet, will somebody get hurt and it's a pitcher, you should always both bet. Yes, because that's how pitching goes. But right. I do think he is like their next Bueller. I think he's to that level. And it doesn't look like uh, Julio Urias is coming back anytime soon. Dustin May yeah. is a big question mark. Mm -hmm. So uh, all systems go on Bobby Miller. So you drafted, uh, I would say probably the best. Well, obviously he won the Cy Young, but so which was his first Cy Young award? Did you know, I know. that? I, I, yeah, I was. I was kind of surprised. He'd been chasing it. Yeah, I remember him back in the back in the Pirates days. But so that's Garrett Cole. He's going. To, he's a he's a two hundred inning plus solid pitcher. Bank that in the first round, and then you go Bobby Miller, and so now you're you started hitting up, uh, getting your your uh, hitter stats. Christian Encarnacion Strand, just a big power bat. TJ mm -hmm. Friedel. And if y'all ever listen to uh, Sleeper in the Bus, you know all about TJ Friedel. That's right. Yeah. Justin's one guy. Of, one of my favorite, too. He was a walk on at the University of Nevada. He didn't even get a scholarship. 
Um, and then he didn't get drafted either. He was uh, he came out as an un, undrafted free agent. He got signed by Cincinnati, and then you know just worked his ass off up. Front I love and, stories like that. Yeah, he, he seems like a real grinder. Yeah, and I, and I can't remember because I wrote up. Uh, I did a little write up for him once, and I was like, uh, first of all, like his 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 uh, his first name isn't like it isn't TJ. Obviously, I, I can't remember what it's it was. Terry. 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 Lee. Yeah, and there's no Maybe, J. I you know what I, I would yep he's Terry Jr. That's got to be I, I would so, bet I would bet tons of money on that yeah so Terry Terry Jr. Friedel uh, betting you know went from uh, walk on University of Nevada to batting uh, in a platoon batting first for the Cincinnati Reds that's pretty uh, nice uh, you know that's that's a success story I love that James Outman too also kind of broke out last year started off strong slumped then. You know, turned it back on, figured it out, made adjustments. He's that's what really player. encouraged me was was the the rebound after the slump for for James Outman. Everybody's and going to slump, exactly, and it just depends how you respond to it. And in your rookie year, I'll forgive you for kind of getting beat up by it, but he didn't. He bounced right back and and ended with a strong summer. He, he had five fifty something OPS in May and June, bounced back with a 904, 890 and 775. Yeah, it's descending, but even the 775 in September came with six bombs and 11 ribbies and 17 runs. So I have no issue with that. It was a 264 Babbitt probably holding him back a little bit. I really like James Outman and you know, they can only run so many platoons out there. So I think there's a decent chance that because he's a strong defender, he gets he gets the full burn in center field with uh, left and right, maybe both being platooned. Uh, so I'm a big fan of James Outman. And listen, you can't go wrong just betting on the Dodgers. You know, you, I got Otani, I got Bobby Miller, I yep. got James Outman. I love James Outman too. Uh, you, you're you've got a cast of characters on your team, Paul. You've I got do. Terry Terry Junior Friedel, James <laughs> Outman, who in his locker in Dodger Stadium keeps a pet rock named Rocky. Look it up. It. It's a true story. It's I love it. Rocky's got a face and you know, like Joe Boo in major league, he yeah. goes and says hello to Rocky every day. I'm like, I want to hang out with that guy, but <laughs> that's fantastic. He, he seems like a lot of fun. He does. I'm, I'm looking at it now. That's so funny. Yeah. He keeps a pet rock named Rocky and you just can't make that shit up. It inspired my French, but, uh, and looking down your list, you you pick some uh, some you you swing back to the pitchers. You went like six or seven uh, hitters: uh, Brian Bello, Hunter Brown, and your I think one of your favorite from the regular season, Christopher right. Sanchez. Tell me about Christopher Sanchez, if if you don't mind, and why you think he's a good pick out there. I mean, that's round eighteen. Yeah, that, that, that's a decent investment for a guy that, you know, doesn't have a ton on, on paper yet. But I really, really liked what we saw from Christopher Sanchez in the second half. He was one of my big kind of second half breakout picks, came through for Philadelphia and delivered. I, I'm always a sucker for a younger guy. And he's not he's not a baby. He's 26. So he'll be 27 next year. But prospects that are, you know, kind of establishing themselves that have full-on ready-made change-ups and he absolutely does he has a perfect three pitch arsenal fastball slider change-up change-ups arguably the best pitch of the trio and when you have something for opposite handers 
plus a great fastball and a solid slider that you know has a 12%. All of it adds up to a 12% swinging strike rate right now. I think he can even add more as he kind of finds his footing in the majors, although he might not go for strikeouts much because he is a heavy ground ball guy too, 57% ground ball rate for Sanchez. So I'm not going to project too much of a strikeout gain. I've made that mistake before with nasty ground ballers thinking like, oh, they're going to add case. They don't need to. They're more than content to get out of an at-bat in one to three pitches with a weak ground ball to second base. But he had a 24% K rate, 4% walk. I love those skills for Sanchez. He'll be 27 years old. There'll be no reason to have the reins on. I think he gets 155, 160 innings next year. Yeah, I love that pick. That is that is a smart, smart uh, pick there in the 18th round because you know Philly's going to be good too. We'll be right back after these pointless messages. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I wanted to get your opinion on another player that I drafted in the 10th round. And it kind of like looking at it now, I, I do this. And, I, and obviously, if you're listening to it, you can't see it, But I look at it and I go, oh. <laughs> Let's uh, see who's causing it, you pain. Suck, sucker bets, man. I'm, I'm, I'm taking oh, yeah. I, I'm taking road favorites. Uh, just sucker bets. I don't know what I'm doing, but it's Junior That's such a Ke- funny way to put it. This was a <laughs> Junior Caminero. So good. And I love Junior Caminero. And I, yeah, uh, he's uh, exciting. I, yeah, he's exciting. I, I guess that's it. You fall for the, for the shiny new object, like, mm-hmm. a, you know, like a raccoon or something. Like, oh, it's shiny. Oh, let me, let me get that. Let, let, let me take a look at this and stare at it all day. Yeah. So that's what I did. I picked Junior Caminero. Tampa Bay. I don't have any clue what's going on with the Wando Franco situation. He may get no news. Yeah, no news, and we're not going to get any either. Because is it the DR or is it Cuba? I can't remember. Um, I I, uh, yeah, I honestly don't know anything on it right now. And like, I agree that we're probably not going to get anything until like it's resolved one way or the other, and we find out he's out of baseball or he comes back. I don't know. I know some people say he'll never play baseball again. Well, it, I think it does depend on what the results are. Obviously, if he's guilty of it, you know, get him the hell out of there 100%. I'm not going to advocate anybody that does that crap messing around with children. But um, so we have the, no idea. We have no, no idea. idea. No, and we're not going to, like you said, we're we're not going to know until, uh, you know, probably like to start it much closer to the start of the season. But so, so you got all that spinning in the air like the johnny carson you know guy that came and did the ditch dishes you know spin the plates yeah spinning plates in the air they're all spinning and then you're like oh how about a rookie you know like well in the 10th round uh what a, tw- a 20 year old now a look 20 year old rookie. he is super exciting but you know i'm not going to sugarcoat it here that's too early to pick him you understand that so i don't need 100 chastise you for that yeah. but there is a world where he is their option I think that that week long that he got in the majors was more of a gift or, or a, uh, a reward for having such a great season. 
I still think it's almost certain that he spends some time in AAA, but Junior Caminero could be their five month, uh, their, their five month shortstop. If he goes down to AAA and plays like he did in high and double A last year, then Junior Caminero is going to be right back a month, six weeks in, dominating. That said, you can't put park a month in AAA for a 10th round pick. So again, we don't need to belabor the point. You know, not that, that was too high of a pick. I don't think anybody's necessarily going to be taking that high. One interesting thing about it, though, is I, I'm curious what his ADP is because you're not the only one to have some some Caminero love. I don't know. Uh, let me see. I wish I could get back in my DeLorean and hit that flux capacitor, the 1.21 gigawatts. And you, you, you'd have to, yeah. Okay. Sarah Sanchez hit, got Brian Wu. I was like, oh, I love Brian Wu. Why didn't I pick Brian Wu? I will say, you aren't as far above ADP as I thought, and you're not the min pick. Mm. There's a 123 pick for Junior Caminero. Is that Jason now, Collette? I, I, was, I was just saying, I don't know who's doing it's that. Be a Tampa Bay fan, though. I'm looking right now. Okay, so very recently, the very most recent, like from uh, December 13th on, and we're recording this on the 18th, depending on when you're listening to it. Uh, there hasn't been anything above 213. So Junior Caminero past 200 is fine. 150-ish is around where you took him because you took him toward, or no, toward the beginning of the 10th round, right? Or no, 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 it'd be toward, be toward the yeah. end. Yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, pick 148. Um, and so, again, that wasn't even the most egregious. So, again, you learn from it. You move on. You say, I got caught up in the moment. And that, like I said, I do shiny new toy stuff at this part, at this draft all the time. I call it the, the don't get the shints, the shiny new toy syndrome. Mm -hmm. And uh, I get the shints in Arizona a lot. So I've been there. Don't don't beat yourself up. There have been times we see some great prospect there, and I'm like, I'm gonna draft him, and then I end up drafting him in like the eleventh round. I was like that's a bit too early, you moron. But okay. um, yeah, there's was, a world where that, that pays Ronald off Ac for five months. Yeah, it, it, it's not, but it, it, that's like Ronald Acuna, you know, like circa nineteen or or, or uh, twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen. Exactly. Like that's just not going to happen. Like that's exactly. once in a lifetime. But. Like you said, mistakes were made, but that's all right. Um, uh, let's see. I was wondering, I wanted to ask you a little bit about your friend and co-host, uh, Justin Mason. Oh, yeah. Let's it's, cook him. We <laughs> we talked a little bit about pocket aces. And uh, my next draft, I'm, I'm going to hopefully end up somewhere where Justin was, like Team 8, Team 9, Team 10, Team 11, somewhere in that area where I have a shot at Cole uh, and or Strider. And then, you know, pick somebody like Luis Castillo or maybe even a closer, maybe like, I don't know if I'd go that high on Edwin Diaz, but I, I don't know. We'll, we'll, I probably we'll would. Yeah, I think so. We'll see. But I'm definitely seriously considering that strategy from here on out. What What is your, what is your take? And obviously you picked a pitcher in the first round, but yeah. Like uh, the pocket aces that he pulled off, and then he had Hater in the in the fourth. So three of his yeah. first four picks for Justin were pitchers: Strider, Burns, then Semyon. Which, by the way, that is literally the perfect pick for this strategy. You need to get somebody that is as guaranteed as anything can be, which nothing is truly guaranteed, as guaranteed as you can be to seven hundred plate appearances. He just got an ironclad, you know, rock star of a foundation there with Semyon, and he then backed it up game. with Hater last no, year he's missed like two games in the last five full seasons it's crazy so that's as guaranteed as you can get with something like that 
And I like that from Justin. Um, so his first four are excellent. Then he went with his boy, CJ Abrams in the fifth. And frankly, that's on the low end. He got a discount on him. Abrams is starting to creep up even higher. Then he took Mike Trout. Could you imagine, Britton, if we had been doing this pod last year and I would have told you that CJ Abrams would go over Mike Trout well, in 2024? That, what would that, you have thought? You I, thought I, I was on drugs. I would have thought, well, Mike Trout had a, a career-ending injury. Obviously. Yeah, yeah, that's like, but, exactly. But since it's Mike Trout, you just still draft him in the sixth round anyway, just in case it comes back. <laughs> just because. You know? Just because. Yeah. Yeah. But no, like, um, I really, really like the foundation of Justin's draft. And I point out the, these first few hitter picks, Semyon Abrams, Trout, and even then Christian Walker in the seventh, to point out that you can still get an offensive base even with all this hitting, right? Like, sure, it's not as sexy as the person that opened with Harper, Riley, and Chisholm. But then his pitchers to start are Yamamoto and Snell, both of whom I like, but they're not Strider Burns. And then that team's closer. By the way, that's my friend Dick Temkin, so I'm not roasting his team. I like his team. It's just a different build. And he's got Helsley as his closer instead of Hayter. Yeah. So it's like, what do you want? The, the overstocked pitching or the overstocked hitting or maybe a balance? You do one hitter, one pitcher. But I'm not afraid to take pitchers early. I don't know why more don't go in the first I, I mean, if you just think about it at the most base level, a pitcher, a starter being one of nine has more impact than a hitter being one of 14. And yet we're so reluctant to take pitchers early. Yeah, they break down, but so do hitters. And so I'm just, I'm not against it. Strider and Cole were the only two that went in the first here. And in DCs, people are a bit more conservative, but come main event time, don't be surprised if there's four or five starters going in the first because people want to get their foundational ace. And that's just a big thing in the main event that you see is that pitching gets pushed up. It's so annoying, Paul. It is so <laughs> annoying. Justin's draft is so good. It <laughs> really is. It really is. And what's annoying about it is like, uh, like you remember you can't uh, tell him like no obviously not i, I would deny it uh even even on even on recording, even on recording like, that's oh, ai you, no no no. you heard that wrong that's no, that's ai <laughs> someone ai'd me in britain clearly i would never think that but so you go uh, you know ace ace and then of course marcus simeon's in the third round because crazy he's boring yep no he bores people draft marcus simeon no one wants to draft Mike Trout. No one wants to, what's more boring than Christian Walker? Well, the problem yep. with being uh boring is that all you do is you know get counting stats. You just uh, dominate. And and you know, we talk about Dave Potts is is uh, one of the legends of NFBC. He is renowned for taking boring teams, which mm -hmm. is just kind of the not flashy oh, guys who've been four or five year veterans that have a foundation that you can bank on, right? So somebody like a Brian Reynolds, I, I would imagine somebody like a Christian Yelich who's back on track and, and showing at least some health. I don't know how he feels about health profiles or whatever, but like that type of profile where that's not sexy anymore. No one's geeked to take Christian Yelich, but he's awesome. Like, yeah. I don't think Dave Potts has taken a, a CJ Abrams in the fifth. I know he's not taking Ellie De La Cruz at that price, right? <laughs> you mentioned that you're not really interested in uh, Machado. I think part of that would be health. And again, so I don't want to speak for Dave, but like Machado kind of falling out of favor and becoming boring. Arenado too. Those, I think Arenado's going to be a Dave Potts guy this year. He's down to the seventh round, boring. He's old. Yeah. Everyone's af not afraid, but they're just like, ah, I don't care. And Dave Potts is like, snap that up in the seventh, eighth round all day long. So it, you don't have to win the draft. You don't have to make people go ooh and ah. It's fun to steal picks from people. It's fun to get the flashy guy, but don't do it just for that. Do it because you believe in the guy and you really think there's going to be some breakout to sustain that. Like I didn't take Royce Lewis for y'all to be impressed with me in the third round. 
I took it because I think his skills are, you know, top three round talent. I need the health. I've always said, though, that I'll take that gamble, even with somebody like him, who's clearly shown that he's gotten hurt multiple times. But when the skills are all in place, I will gamble on health because we're all gambling on health. There's no such thing as a safe player because everyone is one pitch, one swing, one whatever away. Yes, the more injury prone guys are more likely to get hurt. Previous injury is the best indicator. I'm not saying don't pay attention to any of that stuff, but I don't run from bad health profiles if the skills are elite. And he is elite. I mean, he's an elite talent. I mean, his performance in the playoffs alone make you go, whoa uh yep. yeah he, he's whatever it is he's got it I, I uh i was also looking down justin's draft you know it's just so solid and then you get to a and and then you get to a little bit of a swing which i really like because you get the solid guys and then then you start taking you know some of the some of the upside guys wyatt langford yes round 11 every time i see the name wyatt I think of uh, Herp. Tombstone, yeah, and uh, hey, white, you know, it's all white. That's like, exactly. Can what I, I have a dollar to. every time somebody says the word Wyatt in this in this movie? <laughs> Why? Hey, Wyatt, Wyatt, what are we doing? I don't know. So that Wyatt ended up. Langford. That's a discount relative to his ADP, and Justin got an even bigger discount in a Gladiator we did where Wyatt Langford fell a bunch. Now it makes sense why. Gla uh, Langford would fall in a gladiator relative to a DC. For those that don't know what gladiators are, you draft your 23 picks and that is it. There is no reserve. There is no filling in. So if Wyatt Langford, if you don't believe that he's going to break camp or you're worried about missing a couple weeks at the front end, you're not going to take him in the eighth, ninth round because you don't want to miss any time with guys. You need as much playing time as you can get. So he fell a bunch in this draft and in, in that draft. And then in ours, he didn't fall a ton, but he was cheaper than ADP, which is like the ninth, 10th round. So Justin said, Hey, I'll take a gamble. So now he has two shots at Wyatt Langford. I don't think he's going to stock up too much more. He has suggested that he doesn't want to get overly invested in Wyatt Langford, but that he felt like the prices were worth gambling at uh, because his upside is so rich. And of course he had that electric run after being drafted. I will say though, I think there is a little bit of overrating that and then people ignoring Dylan Cruz. I, I don't have them any further apart than I did beforehand just because of Wyatt Langford's run through the minors. I, I I really don't because I don't know if he's going to break camp. I think he at least goes down for a little bit. And then I can't imagine that Cruz is far behind. He didn't get all the way up to AAA, but he was in AA. And he didn't do all that well. But I don't care about how well he did. I care I that he, he went there. Too. Yeah, he did get nicked up. and But I, I just care about how that he got there. And he's 22. He's also a college product. For me... I don't hate the Langford pick. I understand it. I, I need it to be at the cheaper end of his range, which is in the 180s. Um, and like I said, Justin got him in 200 something in the Gladiator. But I'm going to wait for Cruz in a DC, who's an afterthought. And I understand Nats versus Rangers. Nats aren't going to be motivated to bring to rush him or anything. But I'll take a month off with pick 511, which is Dylan Cruz's thing. If I only get five months, four and a half months, he comes up at Memorial Day or something, I'll take that versus Langford, who might also miss two to five weeks, you know, in triple A. I don't know, but there's not an obvious place for him in the lineup right now, right? Evan Carter in left, Leodi in center, and Adolis in right. Yep. And now Justin believes that that Leotis could get usurped. I don't really see that. Um Ezekiel Duran is the DH and that would be an avenue, but do you want a DH a rookie? 
And then do you really want to DH Carter, Adelise, or Leone either? I don't know. So anyway, I like they Langford. Have, they have so many good players. You yeah. Know, if you're and the that happens Rangers. with the World Series champions, right? So I just probably am not drafting him. I don't. It's one of these where I respect the pick. You take your gamble on the guy that you believe in. I have a different outlook where I think he's going to be missing two to five weeks. I know that's a big range, but I think he's going to be down for a little bit. And I just don't know where the obvious spot is. Of course, one injury gets him in. They'll yep. finagle it and boom, he's in. Well, maybe not an injury to an infielder, but like one outfield injury, or if they just don't believe in Ezekiel Duran. But other than that, um, I'd rather just go for, don't lose sight of Dylan Cruz is my main point here, because he was just as hyped, drafted ahead of him and got to double A. Even if he doesn't come up until June 1st, 511th pick in your 50 round draft and hold, I think that's just fine. So I love Dylan Cruz, love Wyatt Langford. I just don't want to pay 400 extra picks. What do you think about the outfielder that was drafted two rounds after, or Justin drafted two rounds after Langford? Uh, Ch I, I'm going to say Chaz. Uh, it, it Correct. Chaz, Chaz uh, a.k.a. Spice Rack McCormick. He had a great a, nickname. He had a bust-out season kind of mm -hmm. under the radar for his, uh, any player for the Astros could be under the radar. But, I mean, kind of a 2020 season, even though Dusty did some strange things with the lineup throughout the year. But, I don't know. It uh, you look at his metrics, it's kind of backed up a little bit. Do you believe in the the Chaz McCormick? Uh, I do, and if I could be a little braggart douche here and and gas myself up for a second, I've got the uh, 2023 forecaster here from Baseball HQ that I'm uh, lucky enough to contribute to. And listen, this was not some like resounding love of him saying go get him or whatever, but. I did say finding a full season role has $20 compiler upside for Chaz McCormick. And I feel like that's pretty correct. I like, and the rest of the blurb, I highlighted his power and a little bit of speed upside there. If he could figure out when to run, like he had the raw speed and he did. He went 19 of 25 for Chaz McCormick, 22 homers. And that's only in 115 games. He played four fewer games than he had the year before. Uh, got 50 more plate appearances, so he was starting more games and had a heck of a season. I quite like him. I think he's kind of in like the TJ Friedel sort of vein of like, a, a, you know, not super flashy. Like he's more power than the speed, but that same sort of power speed, solid guy that is on a good lineup. Like I, I don't think Cincinnati is necessarily a good team yet. We'll see where their pitching's at, but good lineup, good park. And good lineup, good park for McCormick as well in, in Minute Maid because righties can hit power there. And I think he is underrated for an Astro. I think you were right to say that. It's, it's, it's hard to be underrated for an Astro, but Chaz McCormick has figured it out. And I thought that was a nice pick by uh, Justin for sure. And I hate praising him, but we have to do it. We got to be we got to be intellectually honest. And Justin had a hell of a draft in Arizona. Yeah, it was really good. And I remember you uh, talking. I didn't know you, you wrote him up in the forecaster, but I, I did remember you uh, talking about him on the sleeper in the bust and uh, also pointing out his uh, picture when you yes. did his, his player page on NFBC or, you know, Yahoo or whatever. They've since changed it, unfortunately. <laughs> it was one of a kind, man. It was great. It, it, he looked it, like a 19. He looked like Don Draper's like. Twerpy yeah. assistant. Yeah. Like he was like the tax guy at the, at the Sterling Cooper price office there, because he also had like a fifties look to him with the glasses that he had and his hairstyle. It was an unbelievable picture. It was wonderful. The Chaz McCormick picture on NFBC. They've now updated it to like a regular old baseball photo, but man, then we'll, we'll always got that somewhere. I, I have it, it on said, Twitter. I can, I remember <laughs> seeing it on Twitter 
for somebody, I think it was Vlad Settler who first post, posted it. And that's where I learned about Chaz McCormick. And you talk about trailing people that you believe in. I was like, well, if, if it's good enough for Vlad Settler as a last pick, it's good enough for Paul Spore. And it turned out to be, this was a couple of years ago now, not last year, but right. uh, he had showed the picture too. And it was so, so funny. So yeah, Chaz McCormick, solid player. I think he can back up a lot of what he did last year. A hundred percent. And now with, with Dusty and uh, all due respect to, to, to Dusty, but uh, Dusty Baker, the, the a manager that's since retired, um, he kind of did some strange things with the lineup. And he with, did. what's funny is like, you know, some jerk from, you know, Nashville, it's never played in a major league game is questioning. I know. I know, how ridiculous that I know how ridiculous that is. It's super ridiculous, but I, I don't know why, but for whatever reason, uh, things, some things going to happen, but if with, uh, the spice rack has full plate plate appearances, I mean, it's, it's going to be better than last year. It's just, you, think, you would I think, think so. Is. Yeah. I mean, you would think at the very least he can, he can kind of, even if he regressed in the skills a little bit, the extra volume for McCormick would be enough to make it an even better season. It's just a matter of if they do commit to him full time, but Hey, he went out there and earned it. I know there was some, I can't remember the whole thing. It was a little bit of a dust up. I'd, I'd be reluctant to say controversy, but more dust up about like McCormick's weight. And I think mm. maybe Dusty was accused of maybe having said something. And then he had to say, no, I wasn't critiquing his weight or whatever. I just said he needs to be ready to go every day or something like that. I think there was something about McCormick's fitness that might have been questioned a little bit um, and was costing him some PT early in the year. But down the stretch, 22, 25, and 24 games in July, uh, August, and September, that's pretty full time there. It was 11, 14, and 19 in the in those first three months of the season for McCormick. So yeah, I think he's a nice, solid pick. His price is up from last year, but certainly not cost prohibitive as a 13th round pick. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. And I do, re I do remember that and uh, just thinking, God, that's strange to call somebody out like that. But yeah, and I again, I, I don't want to besmirch Dusty because I don't remember the details. I think he might have been misinterpreted somehow. I don't remember. Choking any, or something. Yeah, if anybody yeah. has the details, they can send them on Twitter to Britain and I. But um, I just I don't remember all the details. I just remember something around McCormick's fitness was out in the ether there that uh, I, I could follow up on. But I, I just I don't remember the details. I wanted to ask you a couple more quick questions. I think okay, we are okay. coming up, coming Let's up on about it. Yeah, coming up around an hour. So I want to talk to you a little bit about Alec Thomas, uh, Arizona outfielder, great defensive player. Uh, they did just re-sign Lourdes uh, Gurriel Jr. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, like. a, yeah, a, for a three-year deal, kind of a team-friendly deal. It, it was a, a mutual meeting of the minds. They both wanted it and uh, made it work. So uh, Alec Thomas in the 23rd round, very interesting. He came on strong uh, at the end of the season, obviously played well through the playoffs. Uh, I mean, the 23rd round for a, you know, full-time outfielder for a, obviously a playoff team. That's, that's one of my good, that's one of my picks. I'm going to steal. Uh, hey, by all means, <laughs> uh, any draft, draft any draft that you're not in with me, feel free. This is one of my big time guys for next year. And I actually liked him last year too. So I'm staying committed despite a relatively, you know, unimpressive regular season. Of course, he did break out in the playoffs, but we're not seeing the classic 
playoff tax, right? There's usually a couple guys each year in the playoffs that stand out and get that tax. You mentioned how well Royce Lewis did. He was already going to go high, but that shining little playoff run that he had has certainly helped put an even bigger spotlight on him. Walker Buehler, a guy we mentioned earlier from a few years ago, I remember him having a playoff tax and spiking up, but not really for Chaz McCormick, or excuse me, for Alec Thomas, because 23rd round, I have no problem paying. I really, really believe in this guy. The defense is ironclad like that is locked and he's center field um that's going to keep him in the lineup to kind of keep learning and, and figuring stuff out he went nine nine last year in 400 plate appearances nothing that's not eye popping or anything i think he can easily double that and go 18 18 if he gets 500 plate appearances this year with the upside to be quite a bit better than that i really really believe in alec thomas he's going to lose some at bats against lefties i'm sure um where they'll move they can move carol to center and even though he's a lefty too obviously he plays every day and then get guriel out in the outfield a little bit let him play some left field or mccarthy in center and get guriel out of dh let him play some field so thomas will lose some time against lefties because he hasn't been very good against them but i think he's damn near an everyday player power speed coming into his own at age 24 i think the playoffs were a nice glimpse of what he can be obviously not four homers every 12 games i really wouldn't project that for many guys if if any let's be honest but i really really like uh what alec thomas was able to show in that little playoff surge and his defense like i said is going to guarantee him lineup time and i'm going to bet on a guy like that in a good lineup too Ups, upside upside now the opposite of upside downside which was uh, another player i want to ask you about real quick in the 22nd mm -hmm. round Giancarlo stanton uh the epitome of downside this yes. year, especially on your batting average oh god like that, that that's you, you gotta pop 30 plus home runs and it just looks like with injuries you know even uh the general manager kind of bad mouths him you know yeah. which is strange because well, i don't like that i don't like that at all that's low yep Low, and I love low. Stanton, so my bias is toward him, but like he's not a bad dude off the field, at least from anything we know. We don't know arrests or nothing like that. So, like, I don't know, man. Listen, critique the performance or whatever, but have some tact. Like, you can acknowledge, like, hey, he had a rough season, but he also played 101 games. Do we really think this 87 OPS plus is Stanton's true talent level? Right? Like, listen, he can get some critique. He's not above reproach. No player is. Just have an ounce of tact when you're talking about your players. You yeah, know? I don't think you bad when, especially if you're a general manager, you don't bad exactly any of your players. Uh, exactly, especially if it's true. You know, then yeah, exactly. Yeah, do it. I to totally you, you agree pump, with that. You got to pump them up, not bring them down. Bring them down yep. is not going to bring them down is not going to save you 150 million nope. <laughs> for the rest of his contract. That money's gone. It's going to give license to the fans to keep crapping on him which Good they're going to do what they want to do anyway, but it's going to make them feel emboldened. And it's going to be opposite of the Trey Turner situation, right? That's such an amazing story. And Philly fans are known kind of for being a-holes. They got some yeah. memorable instances there. That was an amazing thing that they did. And look, I'm sure there's some old timers out there like, that's soft, you can't get booed, blah, blah, blah. I don't buy it, okay? Getting booed by a bunch of, you know, crazy fans in Philly all the time, that would wear on anybody, even the most mentally strong. So that they picked up their guy, especially because he's at the beginning of a 13-year deal, because like you said, it's only going to make it worse. They want to make the best of this deal, so they built up their guy, Trey Turner. He rallied, had a great finish to the season and everything, and I hope that goes really well for him. Stanton, like I said, I got a soft spot for him, so I come in with a bias toward him. 
I know it hasn't been good in the last two years, but the raw power is still there. I still think it all comes down to health. The problem is it's really difficult to bet on any measure of health given what he's been through. But if he can spike like 135 plus games, I still believe Stanton is a 30 plus homer guy with like a 120-ish type OPS plus, which means he's 20% better than league average. Yeah, he, he he's he's kind of in the mix for a bounce back season. I agree. And, and I don't even know what that looks like, but if you're hitting with the Yankees, it can look uh, pretty good. And in the 22nd round, you know, uh, why not? One more player, Paul, I wanted to, this is a guy I kind of got my eye on. I'm not a hundred okay. percent sure why, but it's Zach Neto or yes. Nito, if you are nasty, Mrs. Jackson, but Zach, I think it's Neto. It is Neto. The, okay. So, uh, uh, shortstop for the, um, uh, God, Angels. The, the, Vanheim. Thank you so much. No so, problem. young guy came up on the, got called up, surprise call up. I, Big time. I, would, I would say skipped, uh, skipped a level there, called him up. He played well. He's, he's got the face paint. So I don't know, you, you know, when you see in football players, kind of like a Braveheart situation. That's right. Freedom, yeah. You know, many years from now, lying in your beds, Zach Nito uh, does the face peg thing. He's kind of an intense hustle guy, like a Jose Ramirez almost, and just a, a good player. He got injured, uh, but he came back. His, uh, you know, I, if he bats ninth, obviously, whatever, but. I don't know if Lewis Rangifo is going to hold hold him off the the the, the top spot, but if Zach Neto, yeah, if Zach Neto, he's got power, he's got speed. If Zach Neto bats leadoff for the for the Angels. I don't know. Round 21. I kind of like that bet. What do you think? I'm with you. I actually think they have some other intriguing guys, too. I know they lose Otani, so they're going to be an afterthought. They're going to think it's Trout and a merry band of idiots. <laughs> um, they, they come down to health a lot, too, as most teams do. But they've got, obviously, some guys with some checkered health pasts like Taylor Ward and Anthony Rendon. Uh, even Brandon Drury's had some injury issues. But like, I like the three young guys at the, that are penciled in at the bottom right now. Ohapi, Nolan yeah. Shanwell and um, uh, Zach Neto. And listen, I agree with you, Renhifo, not a bad player. In fact, we talked about him on our pod today, Justin and I. I think he can be a decent guy, but I'm not sure that he necessarily has to run the top of the lineup there. And if Neto could get up there, even without Otani, I think this lineup can be capable if they're healthy uh, with Trout and company. That's a big if, I grant that. But I like guys that are just kind of grinded out types like this that are just, if they get the playing time, which it seems like he's a decent bet to just get 600 plate appearances and just grind out a double-double type season, which is 10-plus homers and steals, enough runs and ribbies if he's not batting ninth. If he's batting ninth, then, of course, it's going to be down even if the lineup is good. Any ninth yep. hitter, you're going to you know, you're gonna lose some down there. But I do think it can hit like 250, 260 while grinding out a decent season. And like you said, at pick 22, it's not costing you that much for Zach Neto. So I think it is a worthy gamble. And I think that, you know, one thing that they've shown, they've, they've had a lot of ineptitude with the Angels, but one thing that they've been proficient at is calling, is drafting the ready guys. Like they've been able to identify these guys who can come up and contribute quickly, which is not something you usually do in baseball, right? Like when you're watching the draft, you're like, I'll see this guy in two, three, four, five, six years sometimes, depending how young they are. And they're calling up guys that are up that year or the next year, and they got four or five of them right now. Neto's one of them. I kind of believe in him, and I think he's a fair price at, in the 270s, 280s range, as as late as 
320, 330 as well. So Zach Neto, solid pick. I was trying to think of some narrative, like in my mind, you know, sometimes when a superstar player leaves, the team actually plays better. But then is, I'm like, no, not in this well, case. Okay, like you're you're right. I probably yeah. not in this case, but there is one that I'll never forget. And just because it's a one-off, like you know, sample of one doesn't mean it always happens. But I still remember this one that blew my mind because I thought this team was going to die. It was the Joey Votto injury in Cincinnati, and they were like contending. Yes. It was a few years ago, and I was like, well, there goes that season. And I love Joey Votto, one of my favorite players. So I kind of have always tangentially followed the, the Reds since he's been there. And they went off and just played, they played better without him. Their record was actually a bit better without him, surprisingly enough. And I think it might have been in 2012 because he played 111 games and they went. They finished first in the central there. So it does happen sometimes. You have to have talent. Again, I don't think it's a terrible one. Obviously, losing Otani is a colossal hit. But if you could guarantee me health, which you can't, but if I could guarantee it, and I've got Drury, Ward, Rendon, Moniak, Ohapi, Shanwell, and Neto behind uh, Renhifo and Trout up there, that's not bad. I think it's at least a top. 12 13 lineup which is not you're not doing backflips over that but that's top third you know or no oh, not yeah. quite because there's 30 teams so it's just outside the top third there but i i would i'd be fine with that personally you never you never know you get hot at the right time i mean arizona was what like a six seed i mean you just know that's know. the thing too yeah now i don't know if anaheim would have enough pitching even if the lineup did back them up like i actually do like some of their pitchers like detmer's guy i'm a canning guy Big Chase still Seth guy. So I don't know. I'm I'm still a sucker for this team. But most of my suckerness was because of Otani. So now that he's gone, I'll probably see them with clearer vision and not pick them for the playoffs for once. <laughs> but I just was trying to will Trout and Otani into the playoffs. At least we should see Otani in the playoffs this year. It would be a colossal upset, obviously, if the Dodgers didn't make it. You know, it's kind of like when Bryce Harper uh, signed that big free agent deal in Philadelphia and then the Nationals won the World exactly. Series. Exactly. There you go. Yep. Rendon with big, the biggest hits of his life throughout the, the, those playoffs. And then ironically, he ends up at the, the, the Angels and has played like 62 games in three years. But that's a different story. <laughs> that's a different story. But, Paul... I can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming on, talking. It's great talking with, with you, Britton. Your, your draft, it's it's it was really cool. I enjoyed picking your brain, and uh, so please follow Paul. I know you're following him already, but go ahead at uh, 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 at X or Twitter uh, at Sport. Well, yeah, whatever the whatever the heck you're calling it. I, I I still call it Twitter. Not and and listen, I'm not an Elon guy, so I'll, I'll freely point that out. But I'm not not calling it X as like a f you to him. It's just because Twitter is like. Of all the stupid things he's done, which there are many, changing such a recognizable, well-known brand to a fucking letter. I'm sorry for the curse, but like flushing years and years of brand recognition. Just utterly moronic for somebody who is declared a genius by his sycophants. But anyway, the only way that makes sense is if he's purposely running it into the ground, which seems to be what he's anyway, not here to talk about him, but He's got the mega brain going, going exactly. on there. Me, exactly. Me, meanwhile, uh, you know, I'm talking with my picture frame hooks over here. Like, who, who am I to judge Elon no, Musk? No, 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 no. We, we, I think we can judge him. He, he, he <laughs> Having a ton of money doesn't mean that you're smart, good, cool, anything. It just means you have a ton of money. But anyway, we don't need to go on a diatribe about him. On Twitter, at Spore, on uh, Twitch, twitch.tv slash Spore, if you want to come hang out in my baseball streams. I play video games, but a lot of times I do fantasy stuff. And 
And even if you're not a video gamer, you can come hang out, talk baseball. That That's the core of the stream. So I have plenty of people who don't even play the games, MLB The Show and Out of the Park, that hang out just for the baseball chatter. So come through. I love streaming uh, over on Twitch. I Absolutely. also have a YouTube have channel, but um, I it's not like... I just play OOTP on it, but it is... I, I don't even know. I think it's YouTube.com slash Peacebore. I don't even know. So well, don't go follow. That. Yeah, go follow Paul, and then you can see all all the stuff yeah. he does. I post but... links there. I should have learned my link if I'm going to try to promote. Something. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Paul. I'm looking at the I'm looking at the Streamyard thing, and it says that this actually recorded. So uh, that's it. great news. Uh, I was go. actually uh, thinking about playing a little joke on you, saying, "Oh, Paul, I didn't record. We had like, to do oh, this shit. all over again." No, I saw like, the red thing, so I. Oh, knew. you saw it. Oh, yeah, I didn't yeah. Think you could see that. Oh, you wouldn't have right. gotten me on that one, but it would have been a good gag. All but right. Britton, I had a great time talking with you, man. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, thank you so much, Paul. I will catch up with you later, buddy. Have a good. Sounds evening. good. Take care. Bye. All right, lads. Now I know there's not a faint heart among you, and I know you're as anxious as I am to get into close action. We must bring him right up beside us before we spring this trap. That will test our nerve. And discipline will count just as much as courage. The Acheron is a tough nut to crack. More than twice our guns, more than twice our numbers. And they will sell their lives dearly. They mean to take us as a prize. <laughs> and we are worth more to them undamaged. Their greed will be their downfall. England is under threat of invasion. And though we be on the far side of the world, this ship is our home. This ship is England. So it's every hand to his rope or gun, quicks the word and sharps the action. After all, surprise is on our side. <laughs> For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.